You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. For me, that was everything. Mm. I, I told myself, I'm like, one way or another, I'm, I'm going to find a way to get a fucking job here. You know, we're, we're thinking about the future. We're not leaving in Timson. We're here to stay. If I'm traveling to an event, I want to be able to see my fellow streamers, my colleagues, my friends. Funny story. So my mom and dad gave me an option. They're like, okay, we can either build you a brand new computer or we'll get you a car. But I was like, no, fuck that. I want a computer. I want it right now. Well, guys, today's a happy day. And Neil Andishman is in the house. Hey, hey. How'd I do with your last name? You did excellent. We practiced a few times. <laughs> Pretty much killed it every time. Yeah. Murdered it. You're a superstar. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for stopping by. Anil is the head of strategic partnerships at Twitch, a small, tiny little company you may have heard of. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a bit. We've been there, what, five years? Yeah. Going on my sixth right now. Yeah, we were just talking actually before we started recording about how people who work at Twitch just are celebrities in their own right. It's a small culture, you know, like it, it's grown a lot quite over the last few years. And uh, yeah, there's like a prestige with like working with Twitch, right? And I think even attached to that, a lot of employees that work at Twitch in some capacity were made into like a meme, a Twitch emote. So you, you have one. Me included. Yeah. Not for the right reasons, but you know, I'm, I'm there as well. And So for people who don't know what an emote is... Break it down. So imagine a emoji that you can put into any chat room within Twitch. All it requires is just a simple text code. So for you, Todd, if we wanted to have you as an emote, and maybe it's a picture of you smiling or you throwing the peace sign, whatever it may be, we can put in a code and we can put that code to be T, mm -hmm. T carrier, whatever it may be. And if you're to type it either with all capitals or all lowercase, boom, your face would show up. And that shows up in every single chat room. And People make memes out of it, just like anything else on the internet. People just meme. So you're kind of a celebrity in the streaming world. I mean, your faces for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got hired, they're like, "Yeah, you know, as an employee benefit, you can upload your own emoticon or your own emoji, your own emote to the like the back end, and you can make it into like an actual emote that can be used throughout the website." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dope." They're like, "Okay, but we need a picture of you looking straight at the camera." And I'm one of those guys that like never takes like a proper photo. I'm always like goofing off and everything. So I had one picture. I'm wearing a white beanie and I put that up and 
ironically enough, because the picture was scaled down so tiny within chat, it kind of looks like I'm wearing a turban. So people have been able to like <laughs> mis misconnotate yeah. that for, for other things and I won't go into all and specifics. People really use your emote. For sure. It, it gets highly used. For sure. I remember the first time I saw it in a chat, I was like, wait, is that is that a Neil? <laughs> and Colin was like, Yes, that's a Neil. <laughs> yeah, I uh my little cousins when they found out that I was working at Twitch, they're like, You're the fucking Anil. My my cousin Anil is the Anil. I'm like, Yeah, that's You're me. like, Yes, I'm the Anil. <laughs> yeah. So uh Yeah. Start treating me like it. Exactly. <laughs> so your your role at Twitch is actually very, very important. One of the reasons that Twitch is a household name is because of the streamers that we watch so avidly on the platform. These streamers are going hours and hours a day for the majority of the partners. It's their full-time job. And you are the person, you're basically the thread between them and the platform. So you are the middleman. You're the one dealing with both Twitch and the ninjas of the world. For sure. How does one get this role? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it kind of seems like the dream job. It is a dream job. And to be perfectly honest with you, like, I'm I'm humbled to be in it every day doing what I'm doing. I love people. And I think the number one thing that I would look at when I'm looking at hiring for this role, or even for myself, has always been attitude. I think that you have to have a high affinity and high drive to, like, want to help people out because this is a very selfless role. There's a lot of times where you're advocating for things that might go against the grain, both politically within the company or even externally to the community. And you always have to kind of have a very headstrong mentality with understanding that what you're doing is for the betterment of the community, for the betterment of the platform. And having that holistic view is probably like the most integral part of like succeeding within partnerships. For me personally, in terms of like hiring, I look at attitude, number one. Number two, I would look at people who have a background in like being able to develop other people whether it be within a management role, whether it be within working within content, working within communities, volunteering, because I feel like a lot of those traits translate well over to whatever you want to do within partnerships as well. We've gotten to the point where we're not wearing multiple hats anymore like we used to be back in the day. So the roles are very concentrated and really well defined. So maybe someone who's really good at charity can stay within the domain of charity, whereas someone who's got a high affinity of like wanting to help people out. I may be a little bit shy and want to work more on the back end. They have opportunities to do that as like a program manager. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. And again, I think the core root of it is like, as long as you got the right attitude and you have that drive for it, uh, I would say like, that's like the baseline for being a candidate for partnerships. Because I mean, you guys have to have so many people applying for roles at Twitch every single day. Twitch is hands down one of the most successful companies out there when you think back to how you landed the role what were the steps that you took in your own because you got the job when you were fairly young yeah so did you have a background in streaming or were you just a gamer who found out about this platform because you were using it and you were like i'm gonna apply for a job there how did you land there man i don't know where to begin i'll i'll give you the condensed version or at least what i would assume to be the most condensed version when i was younger i actually competed in gaming uh, mm -hmm. When I was like 15, 16, I played a game called Counter-Strike. Never heard of it. It's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Colin plays it all the time. Oh, my God. It almost caused multiple divorces. But let's, <laughs> let, this isn't about me. <laughs> we could talk about that off the record. But I played a shit ton of Counter-Strike when I was in high school. Actually, funny story. So my mom and dad gave me an option. They're like, okay, we can either build you a brand new computer or we'll get you a car. And if I got a car, I can go get a job and go make some money and then buy a computer. But I was like, no, fuck that. I want a computer. I want it right now. So I got a computer, ended up dropping like three racks 
in 2005, which was like a shit ton of money for a computer. Also, let's just a lot of teenagers would have chosen a car. Yeah, I'm an idiot, but looking but, back, but it worked out. It did. It was but the best decision I made. But your parents were probably like thinking they scored because they're like, we don't have to get this kid a car. Right. Yeah, let's go get a three thousand dollar computer. <laughs> That's fine. He's not going out anymore. <laughs> so I, I got into pro gaming and I, I was doing it for about a year. It really sucked. I wasn't good. Maybe. Why? Why did you get into pro gaming? Because back then, I don't even think it was. It was just a like a thing. Cool, it was like a cool thing. It was like an underground community. Underground. You know, like there's okay. websites like Gotfrag that you can go into that like shared scores and tournaments from like all around the world. And back then, it was like a little underground society. Like you only heard about these tournaments happening in like Sweden, and you would hear about like the World Cyber Games, and that was like the pinnacle of like events you know nowadays we got a shit ton of events going on on like on a monthly basis back then you only had one or two worldwide i did it for about a year and i realized look my grades are failing i'm not doing well i need to grow up i need to like focus on what teenagers care about which is like going to school and getting a job and meeting a girl and all this other teenage mm -hmm. shit i ended up going into school for pre-med i did that for like three years and wow. then my mom and dad had to sit down with me with my brothers and were like what do you really want to do and i'm like i want to go become a doctor and they're like no you don't we know you don't want to be a doctor. We know you hate it. What do you really want to do? And that was like my breakthrough moment of like being very honest with myself. What good parents. I, I, I feel like <laughs> the majority would be doing the polar opposite. I'm Especially in a space that your parents probably were not familiar with and did not understand. They did it. And they totally had a read on me. Like they they knew wow. me inside and out. So I, I think it was just like their own intuition. They knew that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing or trying to pursue what I what I thought I wanted to do. Anyways, that caused me to like dial back and Coincidentally, at the same time, StarCraft II, which the franchise was like everything to me, was getting announced. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into playing some video games and we play StarCraft II. And I really wanted to get good at the game. So I went on YouTube and I started watching like tutorials. And I found Justin TV, which was like the, the sister company of Twitch back in the day. And T, like when I tell you, like I was an avid fucking viewer, like I was on that shit all day really i was up until like 5 6 a.m watching like the korean like starcraft league which was like going on from like 1 a.m all the way up to like 5 a.m every fucking night and then i would roll into class like half awake but i did that and i loved it i fucking loved every bit of it and what was it what was it about that was it a learning experience was it you were just the voyeuristic element of it which i think a lot of people are drawn to that imagine picking up a new hobby that doesn't really have much of a culture, much of a community around it. And you find one little outlet, mm. one little outlet. And there's like one place where you kind of feel like a sense of belonging and something that you can actually take away on a day to day, something you can learn from. Mm. And for me, that was just in TV and watching like these Korean leagues at the time. Plus you're interacting with other people in chat. So there's like this other like kind of shared experience that you kind of experience with other people along the way. And for me, that was everything. Mm. I, I told myself, I'm like one way or another, I'm, I'm going to find a way to get a fucking job here. And that At was Justin like Justin TV. This is pre-Twitch. Pre-Twitch. Okay. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but there was a bunch of like small little community events that were happening throughout the Bay Area. And the Bay Area is not a very big hub for gaming. Like LA is, but the Bay wasn't. So any opportunity that there was an event, like I volunteered, spent some time throwing my own money into it. And then I got a job at Zynga. Okay. That was like my big break because that was like my first step into the gaming industry. And Zynga not, is not necessarily the pinnacle. Like they're not like a true like hardcore gaming company, but it was in the gaming industry. And I met a lot of talented people there, made, made a lot of friends, and I used actually my salary at Zynga to bootstrap my own StarCraft team. So that was like how I actually really, really got into like esports and everything. And I learned a lot about getting sponsors and paying out teams and travel and herding sheep because these guys were like, you know, they're children. They're, they're making a couple
couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks competing in, in a, in a small time game that hasn't really blown up yet. And you, you just learn along the way and it was great. I fucking loved every minute of it. And anyways, over time, about a year of doing that while working at Singa, the right opportunity knocked on my door at Twitch. And that interview process took like three months. It was nerve So at this point, was it already Twitch? It was already Twitch. Yeah. Okay. It was about a year into it. Twitch was already kind of like a formed company. Um, when you heard about Twitch for the first time, what were your initial thoughts? I was like, holy shit. I thought I can break in as a streamer. So I actually streamed for like two years. I wasn't good at it. I really wasn't. But, you know, I loved, I loved every bit of it. Uh, and for, for me, I would say Twitch had a really cool, like, gothic, like, nerdy, like, steampunk look to it back then. And then, like, six months in, or I think it was about a year after they, like, reframed it into, like, a whole purple company, which I absolutely love because purple is just a pimp color, you know? It's fucking dope. A purple hoodie, you just yeah. know. It's iconic. <laughs> it, it was all downhill from there. Or not downhill, but it was all history from there. It was all downhill <laughs> from there. Interview over. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Whoops. You know what I meant. Um, no, I know exactly what you meant. So you got a job at Twitch. Were you initially, were was there a partners program in place when you first started? There was a partnership program. To get partnership with Twitch back then, you required, I think, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 viewers for a company so at that basically, time. So basically. It was really hard. Yeah. You had to be like a big shot. I got hired to come in and review the applications for these people applying for partnership, which was like by far like the dopest role I ever did. I felt like I was Santa Claus because... I'm looking at thousands of applications on a weekly basis, and I felt like the dean of admissions at a college. And you're looking at people like shelling out their entire life story, talking about why they deserve to be a partner, talking about how they came to Twitch and like their story. Then you had other people that are like, I just bought a capture card. I'm going to be fucking awesome. Partner me. So you hear like you hear both spectrums. You hear the whole full spectrum of like why people deserve that. Why do you think they deserve to be a partner? And for me, that was like one of the best experiences because I learned about a lot about content. I learned a lot about our community and who these people are and what's like the pulse in community. What is a hot game? What games are they playing? So I did that. I did that role for about a year. I would look at who are people that are qualified to become a partner. And over time, I start to realize, okay, these guys aren't hitting 500 viewers. They're hitting 300. They're hitting 400. But they're really fucking good at what they do. They're really, really good. They're really, really talented. I made a few exceptions here and there, even though I wasn't supposed to, but made a few exceptions. And that actually ended up being like the best thing ever because we learned that it's not just all about viewership. It's about engagement too. Um, and at the time, the reason why we looked at it from such a from a high viewership was because of tech costs and operating costs. But you know, of course, over time, like you're able to kind of society that. So we were able to look at truly at content and look at what is meaningful content, what is engaging content, and what is what we define now as like those shared real time experiences. And for me, like Twitch, you know, you see these different people from different walks of life all around the world. And they, they run their channel different ways, you know. There's no template. There's no cookie-cutter format. So over time, we were able to lower the viewership requirements so that more and more people can come into the funnel and get that opportunity to become a partner. So you you referred to yourself earlier when you said, you know, I wanted to start streaming, and I wasn't good at it. And yeah. then there are these people that don't have many views, but they're really good at it. Yeah. What constitutes a good streamer? Consistency is number one. You got to be consistent. I wasn't consistent. And that really is the magical sauce. If you come in... On a, on a weekly basis or on a daily basis and you're coming at 7 p.m. every day, your community can guarantee or can rely on you to be live at that time, they'll come back during that period. It also opens up opportunity for people that otherwise may not be tuning into streams but maybe happen to be that evening to come and find you. But consistency is like the biggest key. Second part, which is arguable depending on who you're talking to, but having fun. If you're not having fun, like people don't want to watch you. They look If it looks like you're having a miserable time, like... 
why would anyone want to tune into that? And for me, it got to a point where like I was streaming just to stream for, for that period. And I wasn't having fun because I sucked at the game. I sucked at Starcraft. So I started to pivot into other stuff that I actually did enjoy. And when I did that, I actually saw a change in my viewership. More people wanted to tune in. More people wanted to be around me because I was having a good time and I was cheery and I was upbeat. Engagement is also very big. And I think those are kind of correlated with one another, right? Having fun and being engaged with your community. If you're not talking to your community, more than likely people are watching you because you have a high skill caliber. So maybe you might be really good at a game or maybe you're doing something that might be funny or it might be a little cringy. So people want to tune in because of that. But the magical sauce really is consistency and engagement having that upbeat attitude, having fun with, with your content. When it comes to <clears throat> when it comes to folks like Tyler Ninja, I'm really proud of how far along he's come along, especially because he's one of the guys that have been streaming since Justin TV days. So he's been at it for like eight years now. This guy's been committed and he, he hasn't always had this big break. So for people like him, I think, you know, it's really the right opportunity. And I think games like Fortnite, H1Z1, PUBG all have like aided to those opportunities because the Battle Royale format is exciting in itself in terms of content. But I think when you look at a game like Fortnite where it's encompassing different types of cultures with the different dances and the, and, and the skins and the outfits and everything, like you you kind of open up a new world of opportunity with culture. And for, for Ninja, it also opened up an opportunity for like sick plays. You know, he was doing some really dope shit, building, his building skills were like off the chart. And I think he was able to kind of show off his skill set and his engagement and a level that people weren't able to really see in the past. And that got the attention of like the mainstream media. And so artists like Drake started to see that and caught attention and followed him on Instagram because he was posting his clips on there. And I think all that type of stuff aided in his discovery, which ultimately led to where he's at now. That was going to be my other question. So I don't think it just ends at Twitch. No. So people are not only are they streaming on Twitch, they're clipping their videos, they're putting them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. They're putting them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They're putting them on Twitter. Yep. It's a full-time job. For sure. So do you think had Ninja not been utilizing other social media platforms that he would be where he is today? Because maybe Drake wouldn't just be on Twitch randomly, but he saw a clip on Instagram or somebody tagged him because they know that Drake's a huge Fortnite fan and somebody's like, oh, this is a sick play. Let me tag Drake. Now all of a sudden Drake knows about Ninja. Do you, when you are talking to and helping shape partners or giving them advice are you advising them to use these other platforms as well for sure i think syndication of your content especially after your streams are over are super important because it gives you the opportunity to be discovered in other places and i think ultimately you want to build up your brand when you look at my team and look at what they're focusing on they're focused on building up creators from the ground up not only on the twitch level but holistically so while we can't dabble into every side of their business, we do try to encourage them to to to, to be effective and, and be smart about how they're syndicating their content and do it mindfully, right? Don't just put it in every single platform for the sake of putting it on there. Do it because you know you're gonna engage the right audience. And I think for for people like Ninja, you know, gaming has really started to take a a presence in social media and, and Twitter and, and Instagram over only the last few years, really. I think it was really just the perfect storm for him. Fortnite coming in. Fortnite being a game that is widely admired and adored by all ages and all cultures. I think it was a right opportunity and it was a perfect storm for him to come in and be able to capitalize on that. And I think, I think it definitely did help out in his discovery with Drake, whether he would have, whether Drake would have found him uh, if he didn't do that. I don't know. I, you know, I think it's up in the air. It's arguable, but I would definitely say it did help out a ton. I mean, he definitely had a huge following, a very specific following, but it, I think he kind of, 
moved into mainstream because sure. of that. Yeah. Obviously, there are tons of really great streamers on Twitch, so we won't focus on Ninja, but I think Ninja is a really great talking point for mm -hmm. Twitch because mm -hmm. not only did he capitalize on a celebrity movement, did you sense that Twitch was benefiting from all of a sudden on a whatever, it was a weeknight at 2 a.m., the world is watching Twitch because yeah. Drake, Travis Scott, who else was in that? Uh, Gigi Smith. Yeah, so yeah. all these people are playing Ninja. Ninja, you can tell, is almost beside himself yeah. as he's doing it. And I'm sure as a person who's involved in the partnership program, you probably had an influx of celebrities saying, maybe we should jump on this. Totally. For me, it, it was it was a wonderful moment. It was a wonderful evening. And I was so happy that all that was happening at once. It was overwhelming, of course, too. But I think the thing that really made me happy about that entire experience from the actual stream happening to even after the fact and getting hit up by different people was it was a shift in culture. I think gaming has always had the stigma from, uh, I guess, pop culture where it's like, you know, you're some kid that lives in a basement eating Hot Pockets. So the whole South Park reference of like, 100%. you know, the wow reference where you're sitting at home, living in your basement, eating Hot Pockets, shit like that. So for me, one of the things that I've been very passionate, I was like moving away from that stigma and really kind of unveiling the the mask behind the community and showing like, yo, these are just people like everybody else. These are fucking awesome people. They're talented people. They're, they're cool people. And they're just like you and I. They're not any different. And it's weird to say that, like, gamers have always had this label of, like, oh, you're a gamer, so thus you are this type of person. It's like, no, I'm not. Anyone's a gamer. Colin was a gamer for that matter, you know? Like, everybody is a gamer in one way or another, and it's just a matter about, like, what you enjoy. And I think with, with the whole Drake and Ninja situation, what I loved about it is that a lot of people who in the past would be quiet about being a gamer, closet gamers, if you may, start to come out and realize like, hey, it's actually cool for me to share this information with you. And it's like, I love fucking video games. As a matter of fact, check out my entire collection. Weren't really apparent or really present in social media before, and now they are. And it's starting to become more of a widespread thing amongst culture. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. How would you define the Twitch community? Ooh, that's a really good question. It's a melting pot. It's a, it's a big melting pot of of everybody. I look at I look at the Twitch community as one giant ecosystem and there are people that have different interests whether it be IRL content, cooking, music, specific game, game communities like you may be into first person shooters, you might be into battle royale, you might be into strategic games. Everyone's got that thing that that they're really interested in. And I think when you look at the Twitch ecosystem as a whole, the entire community, like they have these like sub communities within them. And that's where like each streamer kind of has like a domain. So you look at people like Lyric, for example, and I love Lyric. Lyric is what I would define as like a DeBry streamer. He has a community that follows him wherever the fuck he goes, whatever game he's playing. There are certain games that he might have much more viewers in and other games where he may not. But at the end of the day, his domain is variety gaming. And so that's where a lot of streamers want to get to where they want to be focusing on playing whatever game they want because it gives them the liberty to play games and have fun with it. Whereas other other streamers much more enjoy playing a particular game, focusing on one genre as opposed to multiple genres. Everyone's got their specialty. I think everyone's also got different aspirations. Some people want to break out from one particular game into variety. And some people who are in variety really want to have one game that they focus on that's like their bread and butter. But when I look at the Twitch community, I don't really have a single definition for it because there's multiple definitions depending on what what community you're looking at. You know, you can look at it from a charity perspective. You can look at it from speed running. You can look at it from competitive. I could go on and on about it. As somebody who works with a company, what are you doing to protect the streamers, in a sense, from trolls or people who are just coming on? And a lot of these people have nothing really to do with Twitch. They're just, you know, it's a free platform. Anyone can watch. Anyone can chat. Uh, what are the measures that you guys are taking to protect the streamers and the content creators on the platform? So I can't go into like all the crazy specifics, but just to kind of give you some context, we do have a safety ops team. These guys work day in, day out to protect the community as a whole. Doing anything on the internet is scary. And I think when you think about trolls and you think about toxic people, the shitty thing about the internet really is that you can you can hide behind a screen and be whoever the fuck you want to be. You can be a dick. You can be an asshole. You could be a racist. And a lot of people think they can get away with it. And it's shitty because a lot of people do it for the simple fact of just like getting a reaction out of other people. They don't really have a purpose. They don't really have an intent. That's unfortunate. I hope culturally with the entire internet, that's something that we start to pivot away from and change. It's a pipe dream, but I really, I really think like that's something that needs to happen as a whole. It's not just within Twitch. It's not just within YouTube, Twitter, or, or, or any of these other like microcosm communities. Like it's the entire internet. And I think 
when you look at Twitch and what we're doing, we have a we have both product features that help prevent and protect streamers from malicious behavior happening and also behaviors and even activity. Again, I can't go into all the specifics in terms of what, but of we do have product features that allow for you to moderate your channel automatically. So maybe you don't have moderators in your channel. We have an auto mod feature. So, and you can dial that from like a one to four. You can adjust it to based on how, how you want your chat to be controlled, how you want to conduct your community. And we also do a lot of education. When you become a partner, a lot of what our team focuses on is empowering these streamers on how to be more vigilant, not only with the content that they're putting on stream, but with their community, with their moderators and how they're thinking about their content on a day-to-day basis. Because every time you're playing a new game, you're welcoming a new opportunity for people to come in and say something toxic, say something rude about you. And it is a trained behavior. Training your community is a very difficult thing to do. And so from a general perspective, there's definitely a ton of education. There's product features, but um, when it comes to working with partner streamers, there's a lot more involvement. There's a lot more proactive empowerment. We do a lot of coaching and education around it. It's a cat and mouse game. Toxic people are always looking for new vectors to be able to kind of attack your stream and, and buck with you. And I think it's it's going to continue to be an evolving, iterating game where we have to improve upon and and basically do more to, to protect not only our streamers, but our entire community. For sure, trolls are everywhere. They're on Twitter. They're on YouTube. They're everywhere. Yeah. If you're putting your stuff out there, you are susceptible. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. But with the Twitch community, I know when I first started streaming, I was personally like, okay, I'm not doing gaming content per yeah. se. So do you think it's because there are people that have been there since day one who don't really want to see the platform evolve into because you guys are evolving into different platforms. I mean, you're talking about cooking, you're talking about singing, you have Twitch sings now. I mean, there's so many different lanes that you guys are moving into as you should. You're the number one streaming platform in the world and you've got 15 million daily users. So why wouldn't you? But do you think that there's the community, you have to be careful with them because they're so specific or is that just an assumption that I'm having? I think that with any kind of change, people are always going to be resistant to it and people act on different ways. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. When you're on the internet, people people act however they feel like acting. They might want to be a shithead one day. They might be cool about another day. But with change, especially in anything on the internet, like people always react negatively to it, even if it is for the betterment of, of everybody. We're not trying to change the platform. What we're looking at is adjacent content, right? So if you're a gamer, you like food. If you're a gamer, you like music. And so these are the things that we look at that are like one degree adjacent to what is gaming content. So we're not deviating away from what we are. We are a gaming platform. We're going to continue to be a gaming platform. That is our community. That is our bread and butter. But we are welcoming to everybody that is has an interest in gaming content. We do have adjacent content that's also available for you to do. But our core focus is gaming. There are going to be people who are going to be resistant to that. That's perfectly fine. I think you're going to find that everywhere. For us, it's really just about making sure that we have the most welcoming community the most welcoming platform. People feel like it's a safe place for them to be themselves. So with the streamers, because you work with them so closely, I do want to talk about without getting into specifics because so many people who don't understand the world world of streaming do not understand how these people make a living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like my parents, for example, don't understand Twitch, don't understand how kids can spend all day long gaming Mm -hmm. and live these great lives and make six, seven figures. 
when did this become a reality? Because I know when you first started in the, in the streaming world, you were saying like making five, $500, $1,000. When did it start to become very, very real when it comes to making a legit amount of money? I think as the new vectors for monetizing started to become more apparent is when it starts to become more of a reality. And to kind of like dive into that, you know, there's first party vectors like running advertisements on your stream, selling subscriptions, which is effectively like people pledging to you on a monthly basis in exchange for stuff like custom emoticons, a cool badge. And beyond that, we, we, we have plenty of other vectors. We've, we've launched a digital good called Bits that you can earn both by purchasing and also by watching advertisements. You know, there's merchandise or sponsorships. I, I could go on and on in terms of the first party, but what has really become a, a big phenomenon is the sense of acknowledgement. When you look at people who subscribe to channels, we've actually built in first party tooling for people to be recognized for that, for their support. So if you were to subscribe to my channel, you're paying me five bucks to, 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 to support me. That gets recognized not only in my channel, but if I have overlays on my stream, I can kind of customize that experience based on how I want. I can make it a big, you know, big party. I can make it something really wild, or I can have it just be something that pops up on the stream, and I can acknowledge you, recognize you, and thank you for that personally. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's very fulfilling, and that's something that they kind of get addicted to in terms of the behavior. And you think about that experience, and you think about stuff like tipping. Tipping is third party. People do that through vectors like PayPal. And through that, they can also add in messages. And usually some people will do stuff like text-to-speech. So they'll put in a message. It'll read it out loud back to the streamer as they're streaming, and they can, like, respond back to it live on stream. Or maybe sometimes people will be really shitty and troll and see something inappropriate, but it's still read out loud, and people do it for the shits and giggles. Is that to the discretion of the streamer? It is to the discretion of the streamer, yes. So there, do you guys have certain guidelines, like, you're not allowed to do this for any amount of money? Yep. So we, there are... We want to protect our streamers. We want to make sure that they're upholding themselves to a safe standard. We don't want them hurting themselves along the way. We don't want you taking shots for subs because people are giving you, you know, money to, to do so. Like, you're going to get yourself hurt, and we don't want that happening. And, and to that point, we have had celebrities reschedule interviews on this show mm -hmm. because they're burnt out. Mm -hmm. They just went back-to-back -back on tour, or, you know, they've been shooting for 30 days straight with no break. I imagine that the world of streaming is very similar, if not more intense, because you have all this pressure to put in. Like you said, consistency is really key. Mm -hmm. How much is too much? And is streaming burnout real? And do you step in and intervene as somebody who works on the partner side? For sure. I definitely acknowledge it as a real thing. And I think burnout comes in different shapes and forms. It could be traveling too much for, for, for different obligations. It could be streaming too many hours. It could be getting too hyper-focused on one particular game. I mean, burnout comes in different shapes and forms and different variations overall. I think to, to, to answer your question, yeah, we do intervene. To what level? I can't go into specifics, but, you know, we, we don't want our streamers, we don't want our partners, our friends being affected by, by burnout. And when they, are, when they are affected by it, we try to intervene and try to help them out understand where they're coming from and try to ultimately understand what we can do proactively in the future rather than being reactive. And I think that's the biggest issue is like right now we're all learning together. You know, it's still a brand new industry in terms of how people are monetizing content in terms of the community growing. And so there's a lot of work to be done. I will say for, for, for from my personal standpoint, like 
this entire, like my entire commitment this year has been focusing on how do we minimize that burnout because it is becoming more apparent and situations like the, the Drake and Ninja event really has evolved Twitch and it's kind of grown into like this mainstream level. It's becoming a household name, which I'm really proud about. But as a result, people are kind of experiencing this like supernova explosion and growth as well. And so they're building up this anxiety of like, if I don't stream for X amount of hours or X amount of days, someone else is going to take over. I'm going to lose subscriptions. I'm going to lose momentum. How true is that though? I mean, is it, there are so many streamers on Twitch. If you decide to take a week off, does that dramatically change your viewership or your subscriptions? In terms of the raw numbers, if you're looking at it from a raw standpoint, like inevitably, yes, it will. I think the issue is we need to do a better job on our end in terms of how we're presenting those numbers to you. So you can better understand what are those changes because naturally people do lose subscriptions on the day to day, even if they are streaming, people do churn just because their subscriptions expire. Some people said to not renew, they confuse that with the days that they take off from streaming as people are unsubscribing to them or they're losing subscribers and inevitably like <clears throat> anytime you take off, yes, you're losing traffic to your channel, but we are trying to get creative with how we resurface content in your channel. And also how we alleviate that anxiety because ultimately that's my biggest pain point right now is like i hate seeing people feel like they have to be on behind the stream at all times they have to produce content because if they don't they lose momentum it's a really shitty feeling because it really starts to interfere with their personal life and how do you get out you cannot get off the hamster wheel there's just it's it's there's too much at stake for sure i think a lot of it is feeling irrelevant if you step away is it the audience is fickle what what do you think it I think there's multiple, um, there's multiple, multiple sides to, there's multiple things that kind of come into play here. One of them is definitely momentum, especially like if a new game comes out, Fortnite, when it first came out, you know, early on it was a beta game and they experimented as a battle royale and they didn't really start to pick up momentum until, you know, season one passes season two and start to create new content around it. And at that time it started to really build up momentum in its own as a game. And so people start to kind of hop on, start playing Fortnite as a whole. And I think with streamers in general, yeah, it's kind of like this FOMO feeling of like, if I'm not live, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on capturing a, an audience. There's a lot that goes into it, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's it's such a complex. We could probably talk about that for two hours. I guess the main question is, as somebody who is dealing with these people on a day to day, it's almost like these are your children in a sense. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them like. Like you mentioned, you Ninja was around during Justin TV days. So yeah. a lot of these people you have seen grow from, you know, zero followers to millions of followers. Sure. So there's a sense of responsibility to keep them on track and you want them to continue to grow. But then there's this paternal feeling you probably have to protect them as sure. well. Yeah. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Going back to earlier days and even today, do you feel like in a sense that sometimes you're almost like a casting director? (laughs) You know, early on, I felt like that. I think the scene has evolved quite a lot in the last year um, for for the better. Because before they're applying and they're like telling you why they should be a partner. What is it like now? How do people now apply to be a partner? So the vector now is we have an internal system that's kind of automated half of the, the trouble of like, applying. So what you got to do now is actually qualify for the metrics through what we have in our dashboard is like Twitch achievements. So you have to attain 75 viewers for about two to three weeks so that you're maintaining consistency. And that has to be raw numbers. So like you can't have that from people hosting you from people rating. It has to be numbers that you have been able to attain and retain on your own over over the two week, two to three week period. So for those people, once they've done that and once they've met a few other criteria, they actually get a little button that allows them to apply. And once they apply, same exact flow as how it is from the past, which is like they get to tell us about themselves. But now we've been able to reduce the volume of people who are getting zero viewers are just applying for the sake of applying. And we're able to get in people who are actually qualified. And it's a guided experience. So people that aren't qualified, they'll understand why they're not qualified. They'll be able to see what metrics they really need to attain to get to that point. Back in the day, you didn't have that. Sometimes it would take us weeks on end to get back to you because of the volume of applications being so high. But now we've been able to cut that back and been able to keep it focused on quality over quantity. And it's okay if you don't want to answer this, but I'm sure a lot of celebrities, because they hear about Twitch, are like, oh, uh, I don't really know what Twitch is, but I'm going to start streaming. Let me just make a call and become a partner. Is it like that for them, or do they have to go through the process just like everybody else? They have to go through the process like everybody else because I'll be honest, like early on, that was something that we – out of excitement, we're like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's get this guy on board or let's get this gal on board. But what ended up happening is they get really excited. They do it for about a week and their other work kind of comes into play and takes up their time, which is perfectly fine. But we ultimately, we welcome everybody and we, we want everyone to be on, on Twitch. But if we want people to commit, we want to be able to see that commitment from them too. So I usually ask them like, look, happy that you're excited about it. I'd like to see you stream for two to three weeks just to make sure that like, you know, you're going to actually be sticking on board. And at that point, if you are meeting the criteria, then we can we can talk about partnership. How many partners does Twitch have on the platform today? I think today, rough count is about 30,000. So there's 30,000 people that are your children. <laughs> How do you personally keep track of all of them and make sure that, obviously, you have a team. It's not just you. Mm-hmm. But what is the day-to-day like 
for you and your interactions with the partners? In terms of interaction, I'm spending I, I'm spending less time communicating on a macro level nowadays. I'm focused much more on a micro level. So talking to individual partners. I'm out here in LA right now, meeting with a few partners today and tomorrow. For my team and the entire partnerships department, it's kind of broken down to different facets. So we have people that focus on individual communities, like I mentioned earlier, people who focus on first-person shooters, people who focus on fighting in communities like Street Fighter, and other people who focus on stuff like charity. And then beyond that, we also look at people who are broken up by regions. So we have a Twitch community in Europe. We have one in Latin America and Asia. So we have different representatives in these different regions that also have their own strengths. And for us, really, that 30,000 plus partners that we have is kind of broken down to each of those regions. And for us, we, we service them in different ways, you know, in Asia, there's a lot of growing communities. So it's really about building up a presence, not only for Twitch, but for the individual creators. Whereas in Europe and, and North America, they're much more prevalent. They're much more present in terms of the industry. And so it's more about how do we grow them beyond mainstream? How do we get them connected with sponsors and advertisers that are non endemic to the brand? Every day is different. Every day is different, and the way that I'm working with the community isn't directly portrayed out to the public on a day-to-day, but more so in terms of events like E3, like PAX, being at those events. There's a lot of things that my team does, not only from like a product standpoint, but also just like a from an interaction standpoint. There's a lot that we do. Uh, we have usually parties at these events. That gives us a big opportunity to like communicate and reach out to partners that we've otherwise not been able to talk to in the past. Mm-hmm. And really build up like a personal relationship and really forge that bond between the partnerships team and the individual creators. Because ultimately, the way I look at things, the partnerships team is like Tron and the partners are really the users. We're fighting for them. Yeah. And and with 30,000 partners and even dividing it up by games and style of gaming, whatever it is, how are you dividing your time? Like you're in LA, I'm sure there are thousands of if not tens of thousands of streamers that are partners in LA, how do you decide who you're going to meet with and have get FaceTime with? Because I'm sure everybody would love FaceTime with you. For sure. Is it just the top streamers that get the FaceTime like any other industry? So from my particular role right now, because I am focused on strategic partnerships, I focus on a lot of the particular relationships that we have. So people, a lot of it may be top streamers, but it also might be large entities as well. So studios, particular like networks and groups or organizations, esports organizations I work really closely with. A lot of just like up and coming talent that are coming from off platform that have a strategic value. Some of it's top partners, some of it isn't, but it kind of varies. But uh, my goal is like, if, if I know that there are partners in a particular region or a particular area and I'm gonna be out there, I usually do my due diligence to like reach out to those individuals and let them know, hey, I am in the area because you'd be surprised. There's a ton of partners here in LA, yes, but if you're to look at Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, there's not that many people out there. And I'll usually try to reach out to those individuals and say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Would you like to meet for coffee, for lunch, whatever it may be, just so I can get to know you better and better understand you and, and what we could be doing better for you. Because everyone's got a different need. Everyone's got a different background in terms of how they came to Twitch. And what we can do to improve their life is an iterating process. So do you find yourself advising a lot of the time and brainstorming with them what what they could do? It's a lot of listening, a lot of conversating, a lot of conversing, I should say it's not a word, kind of conversating, <laughs> a lot of conversing. But I I, I, I would say it's a, it's a two-way conversation most it, of the time. Is there a question that you you keep hearing over and over that that is 
happening so often that you're like, wait, this is something that we should probably address as a whole. Is there something that you're noticing streamers are concerned about or wondering like, how do I improve this? Or how do I, is there a common question? Yes, but it's usually based on trend, depending on what's going on in the community at the time. It could be regarding a particular topic. It could be related to stuff that's happened in the past. Whether What's be, trending right now on Twitch? What is what is something that you're seeing a lot of the streamers and partners do? I think burnout's probably like the, the hot topic right now. Okay. Um, I would say burnout and also work-life balance. I start to see that become much more apparent more now than ever. And what's really cool and what's really encouraging to me is I'm seeing a lot of streamers actually get together that live in the same region, same area, actually go out and plan a trip or plan an outing and just do stuff personally and not have to worry about are they producing content around it? Are they streaming the content or anything like that? They're just focused on having fun and being themselves because that balance is super crucial. Crucial to you as well. So how do you, because it doesn't seem like a nine to five job at all. And these right. people are not streaming nine to five. No. So how do you set boundaries for yourself and, and have a, a healthy work-life balance? Because I'm sure you're in LA, you're going to be out all night tonight meeting with every <laughs> single person that is in LA and wants to meet with you for every single coffee and every single drink. For sure. It's kind of two things. One, you have to have the affinity to like want to talk to people. Uh, if you don't, this job is definitely not for you. For me, I'm naturally extroverted. So being able to interact and go out and do things is very natural and very easy for me. I don't necessarily get burned out from it. And I think that aids me in being able to be successful in what I'm doing and also kind of not have to worry too much about the boundary. But two, when it comes to actually defining boundary, I usually give myself a cutoff time. So if I'm feeling tired, if I'm feeling like I'm low in energy, if I'm feeling like I'm not able to be as upbeat as I need to be, I usually give myself a cutoff time. So whether they be midnight, 1 a.m. or whatever, that's usually like my boundary that I set for myself. And you should tell people like, hey, after this point, like I need to go back and recharge. But from my end, setting the boundaries is not so difficult as it is for the streamers. And the reason why I say that is I'm working with one-on-one -on -one individual people and they understand the need for being able to like take a step back and recharge with yourself. I think creators, streamers in general, face a, a much more widespread issue that I would like to help them out with, which is they're looking at it from a macro level. They have hundreds of thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of people that they have to, I hate to use this word, but like appease, you know? And it's really about setting the right boundaries for yourself, for those creators, right? Teach them to say, look, you don't, you're not going to be able to make every single person happy. And if you are, you're going to burn yourself out at the expense of that. So you need to be able to be okay with putting your foot down and training your community to say, hey, this is when I need my me time. This is when I have my family time. And that stat, I'll come back tomorrow at 110%. You'll continue to have me at that point. But like, I need to be able to have my, my boundary. So going back to, to answer your question again, like, I think it's fairly easy for me just because the people that I work with are very understanding of that and very respectful. Whereas with the people that I work with, the creators, for them, it's much more difficult because they're dealing with people on the internet who are not exactly the most reasonable. Yeah. And I think you lightly touched on this and this may be an uncomfortable question to answer, but why do you think you're so good at what you do? I... I mean, you ma you mentioned <laughs> you, you, you fucking love it. You're an extrovert. But there's there's something more because like I mentioned and and I wasn't totally serious, but it does feel like a casting director a bit because you're you're spotting these stars and you've seen a lot of people come up from nothing to being seven figure streamers. Yeah. Why is this what you're gonna, I believe, continue to do? And why are you so good at it? <laughs> I appreciate that. Um uh, it, it's something I strive to be better at every day. I think for me, it's just the fact that like 
I have an opportunity to do something I absolutely love. I love video games. I love people. I love helping people out. I'm able to combine those three things into something really meaningful for me on a day to day. And I don't want to lose that. Like it's such a special thing to me. And it's like, this is constantly evolving. It's constantly growing. And you've seen Twitch evolve over the last five, six years. Like God knows what's going to happen in the next five to six after this. I definitely think that there's life beyond streaming and we want to help people think about that, but we also want to be able to build upon their business within Twitch as well. Um, my goal isn't to keep people stuck on Twitch 24 hours a day streaming. I want them to be able to have the life that they always want to have, but I also want them to be able to do that in a way that is enjoyable for them. And for a lot of people, I, I do see people who experience streamer burnout, but also see that they love streaming. Like this is something that they genuinely enjoy doing. It's just about teaching them and empowering them to set the right boundaries. And that's something that everybody has to kind of figure out in their different type of footing. Cause everyone's got a different background. Everyone's got a different type of lifestyle. So, I see Twitch becoming a household name. I see it becoming more mainstream than it, it has become. I see it becoming something that is a staple to, to, to not only individuals, but even brands and organizations as a whole. Um, something that they embody and really, really, really embrace and represent on a day-to-day, -day, just like they do with other other content mediums. But beyond that, you know, we're we're thinking about the future and we're not we're we're not leaving anytime soon. We're here to stay. What do you think sets Twitch apart from every other platform the heart and soul you will not you will not find another company that hires people that day in and day out like their dedication what they do what keeps them going is to like make the lives of not only the community but the streamers better like everybody that works at twitch gives a fuck about streamers everybody gives a fuck about the community everyone gives a fuck about making this the best place possible that was true for me when it was 99 employees it's true for me now over a thousand employees and i guarantee when it's 10,000 or 50,000, whatever that number may be in the future, like it'll continue to be that. And usually when I'm interviewing people, I just nod because I have to just agree with what they're saying. <laughs> I can firsthand tell you that that is true. For sure. Because I was there when Twitch first started and when big things happened and everyone, everyone who works at Twitch, and I think this is the community who's also streaming and watching it, there's this unique passion that is so genuine that you can't fake that. Mm -mm. And I think that's why Twitch is only going to continue to get bigger and the streamers are going to continue to get bigger sure. and the opportunities are as well. I agree. What do you think is a common misconception about streamers? I think uh, people think that they make a fuck ton of money off of playing hours of video game, video games and, and, and that's it. And they go on and live this balling life where they make it rain on themselves. It's a lot of work. It's a huge commitment. I think a lot of people forget that being a, a creator in general, streamer for that matter, you're not just a creator. You you play multiple roles and some that are assumed and some that are not assumed based on how your community is. And a lot of people will turn to these communities, to these individual streamers for, for multiple things. Sometimes they're having a bad day. They need a place to be able to just reset and, 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 and have a good laugh or someone that they want to watch play high caliber gameplay because they really, they really want to get better. And there's an opportunity for them to be educated by that person. Everyone's got different reasons. And I think ultimately for streamers, they're really the ones that are wearing multiple hats. They're ultimately like their own little startup mm -hmm. and they don't really get the credit that they deserve. They really don't. Very well put. And there's a few just rapid fire questions sure. that I kind of dug around for what people were interested to hear from you. And again, you don't have to answer, sure. but it'd be cool if you did. Who's your favorite streamer? <laughs> <laughs> I know this is like asking to pick a favorite child, but you've got to have a favorite streamer that you just, 
either it's because you love the story or you actually just love watching this person. Yeah. I, man, there's so many different stories. Like favorite, like big dude right now, it's totally killing it. I would say shroud. The reason why I say shroud is when I first got hired at Twitch, shroud was streaming counter-strike. Um, and back then counter-strike wasn't really that big of a game in the directory and shroud would legit like write me every two weeks telling me like why he deserves to be a partner and how he's like changing content on his channel to be able to make it more engaging, to make it more fun. Um, and he would check in with me and it was like the cutest shit ever. And I, and I fucking loved every bit of it. He, he obviously, he got partnership and he's killing it, but like, look at him now, you know, he's really made something for himself. And I love people that have like, not only that tenacity, but that commitment to be better, to improve upon themselves. I love people like Tim the Tatman. Tim is also someone else that I partnered uh, a while back and Tim worked as a social worker before working or before streaming on Twitch. And I remember, uh, I think it was like in February, February, January of 2014, he called me and I was like driving home from work and he was like, dude, I think I'm going to do it. I'm like, do what? He's like, I think I'm going to go full time. I think I'm going to quit my job and here's the date in March that I'm planning on doing it. I'm kind of fucking scared, but I think I'm just going to go for it, man. And he, he hasn't looked back since and he's been able to make something for himself too. In terms of current favorite streamer, I hate to do a shameless plug for him, but uh, a buddy of mine from high school, his name is Joey, Joey Cow. I think his channel name is Joey Chaotic. Shout out to Joey Chaotic. Uh, so Joey, Joey is an amazing person. He's got a world of energy. He, prior to, to streaming on Twitch, was working at Tiffany Co., making a fuck ton of money just selling rings and jewelry to people. And he just wasn't getting the fulfillment that he needed. He came over my house one night, and we were just talking about streaming. And I was like, dude, like you're a b-boy. He breakdances. He travels around the world competing. Like, he's done vlog content. I'm like, why don't you just go out there and just do something on Twitch for the fuck of it? And within 60 days of him streaming for fun, he quit his job. And, like, he's been able to make it into full-time living now. He's living in Taiwan doing content. I think he's actually, like, back in the States right now at this moment. But I would say my favorite guy currently at the moment would be my boy Joey. I love that. What is the one thing about streaming that you don't like that you wish you could just wave a magic wand and change? Um... I hate the perception or despise the perception that if you're not a partner, you're not a good streamer. I really want to get rid of that. Partners. Do you think that because it's so hard to become a partner now, I, do I, you think I, that it discourages people to even stream in the first place? And does that, I would argue that the, 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 the barrier to, to partnership is actually much lower than what it used to be. Okay. I think it's more about the perception of once you hit partner status, people assume that, people are just going to make it rain on you and that you're going to make a fuck ton of money and, and you're set. And people look at partnership as a status and as an aspirational ladder. I think attaining partnership is definitely a point that people should hit and it should be something that they aspire to do, but there's much more in the progression beyond just hitting partnership. And I think a lot of people misconstrue being a partner as being a good streamer. And that's not true. You can well, have 35 viewers. You can right. still be incredibly talented. You may not be qualified to be a partner at that moment, but you're still someone who is incredibly talented and you are a good streamer. And for people who aren't familiar, the biggest perk of being a partner is just very simply put the opportunity to make money, right? Yeah. yeah. Now there is, there is monetization opportunities prior to partnership. Like we have an affiliate status, which mm -hmm. is pretty easy to attain as well. You only need three viewers for that. And that allows you to do a lot of the similar features as you can with a partner. Just having a partner, having a partnership with Twitch has a higher level of support, not only from Twitch as a company as a whole, but also with the opportunities that come with it. But again, I don't want people misconstruing that as I'm a good streamer or I'm not a good streamer.
another perfect segue to round out this beautiful interview. <laughs> what advice would you give someone? Because Twitch can be a very intimidating place. What advice would you give someone who wants to dabble in streaming, but they are scared shitless? What piece of advice do you give them to get them to, to do <clears throat> their very first stream? I would pick a piece of content or a game that they know for sure they'll enjoy. Have a friend or two watch, tune into a stream, and just have fun with it. Don't worry about what happens after the fact. If you're really worried about people saying mean shit to you, like have a friend moderate for you. In fact, maybe even high chat initially, just, just so you're not really thinking about it. But get yourself in the most comfortable state as you can. Pick out a favorite game that you like to play. Maybe have a friend play with you. Don't worry about all the the wells, uh, the bells and whistles of like having a cool setup and your camera setup and overlays and all this shit. Just, just fucking do it. Do it and have fun. Do it and have fun. And then one day you'll just be making millions. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. I feel like I could talk to you for another, like every topic we touched on, I feel like has lots so of layers. Depth, so we had yeah. to kind of keep it high level, but hopefully everyone who listened got to understand the world of Twitch a little bit more and also the partnership program and streaming and you've got a lot on your plate. I'm happy to have it. Yeah, it sounds Thank like you for a, having it me. sounds like a really fun job. It is. It's a dream come true. And again, like I'm humbled every day to be doing what I'm doing. So you're not leaving Twitch anytime soon. No, I'm here for like long ever. Run. No. I'm yeah, I know. I want a job there too now. <laughs> you hiring? We are. Oh, well, <laughs> let's talk off air. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys learned a thing or two. I sure did. Yeah, we're going to talk to other people from Twitch as well, which I'm really excited about because the world of Twitch is just, there's just a lot going on. Sure. And it's really cool. Yeah. And you guys are disruptors in the best way possible. And I think it's very, very cool what you guys are doing. So, yeah, rock on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Toodles. <laughs> Behind the Influence is a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.